With all the complexities, obstacles, and frustrations facing medical providers today, you still have peers out there getting things done and moving medicine forward. Who are they, and how are they doing it? Welcome to Peer Spectrum, the show where we uncover the creative solutions, innovative tools, and advanced practices of our peers throughout the full spectrum of healthcare. Here are your hosts, Keith Menken and Colin Miller. Let's jump ahead to the community as a whole and your reputation in the community. So there's a lot of providers out there that are in these circumstances. They're with partners they don't like. They right. made a mistake on, the, on where they moved to. You know, they didn't know that there was all these problems in the hospital. And we, we, we're going to talk about this. Sometimes your problems are actually pretty common, and it's, you know, it's not just unique to your circumstances. But whatever you end up doing, you may end up leaving that practice. You may, have, may end up leaving that community, but... Most likely, you, you may stay in that area. You just may change to work in the, for the hospital, joining another practice. But your personal brand and how people see you in the hospital, your patients, even your former partners if you leave, what, what about this personal brand is so important for you, Keith, and, and how do you establish this, and, and more importantly, how do you maintain it? Sure. Well, the personal brand is is really all you have. I mean, that's the, um, because ultimately there's nothing more personal than medical care. Um, people are not being treated by, um, the X and, uh, X, Y, uh, group associates. They're being treated by Dr. So-and-so at X, Y group associates. And, um, the patients understand that and appreciate that. Um, having said that, Personal brand uh, community reputation is a very difficult thing because it means different things to different sectors of the community. Um, you are you may be thought of quite differently by the patients and by the referrers than you are by competitors, and certainly the competitors are going to be more biased against you. There's no question, and and um, it's a very competitive uh, world out there in medicine. Um, so you may. I think very few people have a clean reputation, meaning that, that no one has ever said anything against them. Um, but it is very, very important that you try to control that as much as you can um, by being basically uh, true to yourself and true to the patients. I mean, you need to know what it is that your strengths are. You need to know what you're bringing to the table that makes you special, that, that makes you um, uh, worth looking out for, that gives you a good name, a good reputation, and you need to focus on that. Um, and I think it's incredibly important, going back to citizenship, to not try to turn that against anyone else in the community. Um, you can spend a lot of time trash talking other people in your community if that's your your personality. Uh, you can you can say you know you can have patients come in and say oh thank goodness you came to me instead of to him because he's terrible and I'm great. Um, but eventually it's going to happen that people are going to realize that I and mean, they're going to listen and they're going to hear your tone and they're going to say well this is all about you not about me as the patient so remember that every time you say something that weighs against your name in the community so you always have to take the high road you always have to to take the the idea that you are working for the patient and the patient isn't working for you and i think if you protect it that way uh and just keep close tabs with your refers and and um things like that you're actually going to do well absolutely and that, that goes for any business. I can speak to this. I mean, talking bad about competitors only weakens your position. 
Right. That's all it ever does. And it steals valuable time. I mean, for me, being in the business world, if I have an opportunity to sit down with a potential customer, I'm not going to waste that time talking about my competition, good or bad. Right. Well, but, well let's, let's even look at the advertising world where, um, where Pepsi thought they were going to um, make a big splash with taste challenges against Coca-Cola. And every time they mentioned Coca-Cola in one of their ads, the, um, the market share for Coca-Cola went up. It's like um, we taste better than Coca-Cola, and that immediately puts in people's head Coca-Cola is the real um, uh, soda, and Pepsi is trying to move in on the market. So they're better off just getting Coca-Cola out of their advertising altogether. So don't mention your competitors. You don't need to. Um, And uh, there are people who say, um, you know, again, even in our political scene, who think there's no such thing as bad publicity, that uh, anytime you mention my name, that gets my name out there. You don't want to be that person that's throwing a lot of names out there. It's just not, it's it's negative. Um, And there's there's too much negativity in... um, uh, that potentially is in medicine to begin with. You don't want to be a, a source of negativity. I, I really strongly believe that. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's important. You're going to get these questions, and people are going to try to bait you into it, uh, knowingly or not. It's important to have a statement that you've thought about ahead of time to give, and then you can move on. Right. And something that I would use, maybe different for you, is that um, you know, you've just been attacked through a patient, by another provider, for example, and you say, "Well, I, you know, believe it or not, I don't, I've never worked with that that provider. I don't know a lot about what he, he or she does. I, I just don't. So I can't speak with with certainty about their skills, and I'm not going to. All I can tell you is this is what we're going to look at together today, and I'm going to present some options to you. Right. And you're the one who has to decide. Right." But And there's different ways you can craft that statement, but I think you should use the same one so you're ready, so you're not thinking about it. You're just right. giving a response and then moving on because yeah. anything else is going to take time away from you and that patient. And that's another barrier yeah. between you and that person. And that's exactly. the person we're trying to get rid of. Right. I mean, one of the things I used to say is, um, you know, if, if somebody said, well, Dr. So-and-so said to do this, I, my standard answer would be, well, that is an appropriate approach. And certainly there are people who do this, but this is what I do and this is why. So you turn it from a not very negative, you just say, okay, you give credence to what they said. You don't say, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But then immediately you come in with, but this is what I'm, I would do and this is why. And if, uh, if you need to explain, and sometimes you do why you don't use that approach, that's, that's good too. That's still positive. It doesn't cut into the message of the other doctor. Um, but you would never say, oh, he's wrong. One of the problems is, um, and I think patients are not prepared for this with the understanding that there is very little that's black and white in medicine that there is very there are very few things that are right or wrong answers and there's um there are discussions and literature and research to back up pretty much any um uh approach that anybody can come up with um people think oh well he said something um different than you so one of you is wrong and that's just not the way medicine works it's that we have different approaches both of which will hopefully get to the same point all of us are talking from experience. None of us are coming out of the blue with something, and one would hope. I mean, that's something I always tell patients is, you know, ask how many times a person has done this. Ask if this is the standard 
uh, care for that they do. Um, so even if it's different than some one of the other doctors has done, presumably what you're recommending is something that you've done before that has worked before, and you tell people that, and that people have to understand that there's two paths to the same point and they just have to make a decision as to which it is but one of the paths is not wrong one of the paths is not evil it's just different absolutely absolutely and then move on and that's right find out what what you can do to help them exactly and um, you may lose and you may lose patience in that setting and that's okay i mean you have to understand and if you're going to be completely open and transparent with a patient there are patients who are going to say this is not what i want this is not what I understand. This is not what I expect. Um, you know, you're going to have people go back to the, the doctor they saw in the first place. And that's okay. There are a lot of patients out there. And the most important thing, you never want to convince a patient to stay with you. You never, I mean, you don't want to sell a patient on staying with you. You want to convince them. You want to, them to understand that you care about them, that you, that you, you're, you're the one who should be taking care of them, but you don't want to say, you know, to, to force them to do it because at that point you have no basis. If, if something, they don't trust you then from the start, if something goes wrong, they're, they're maybe even lying in wait for you and it's just not a healthy relationship. So at some point you just have to let some patients go. They're not, you're not going to win with everybody and you just have to face the fact and, and say, okay, I think you're making the wrong choice. I wish that I could work with you, but I understand and let them go. Yeah. And I'll be here if you change your mind. That's right. Yeah. Or if you have further questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Let's, um, let's go back to the hospital here and then I think we'll wrap things up. Hospital environment's a little different (laughs) and especially today, there's a lot of turnover in staff. Some of the same faces you've been you've become comfortable seeing are, are gone. There's new faces. It's a changing landscape all the time. And it's a tough environment to work in. I mean, there's no question the hospital is a unique environment unlike anything else. I mean, real life and death stuff's happening there. That's right. It's an emotional area and there's great things happening and there's, there's terrible things happening too. But just from the top down, if you are, well, we, we recognize you need to have good relationships with hospital administration. They're not the enemy. They have their own stance. And we're going to bring a few on here in the future on some episodes because we want everybody to see as much as possible what it's like to be in their shoes, what they're looking at, the constraints they're dealing under, the pressures they're getting. They're very much pressures like you are. They're just different. But every much is real to them. And when you're trying to work from the CEO down, from the C-suite down to the, the coordinator of a cluster you're working in, a lot of that has to do with brand, right, Keith? It's maintaining the idea that you want people to see you as. It, it is indeed. Um, I would caution when you're dealing with a hospital, it may be better as a physician to think about working from, and I don't want to use the bottom, but working up. Uh, work from the nursing staff to the assistant staff up through the coordinators um, uh, to into the administrators and up to the main administration. It's very unusual in this day and age for a, a doctor to be able to get the uh, the ear of the CEO of a hospital right away. Those are very uh, important doctors. They're the people who are doing you know gazillion dollars of surgery or or um, you know have um, have patients who might uh, fund a, a wing of the hospital. Most of us are not going to be in that position. Um, it is 
to have the support of the whole hospital community, and that goes down to the people who are uh, collecting the bedpans, is probably stronger and more important for you than to have the support of um, administrators. And ultimately, the administrators will see that and will rally around you because you are part of the of the community. It goes back to the citizenship. If you are part of, if you are a citizen of a hospital community, and ultimately all um, all CEOs, all um, uh, executives want a hospital to feel like a community because that's how it's going to. Um, they're going to have the best retention of the staff and also the best. Um, uh, uh, retention of patients and, and um, uh, follow-up visits and things like that, um, they're going to want to look at how the community feels about you. So it's extremely important that you, that you are good to everybody, nice to everybody, work as a team with everybody, and then you, you start working up. Um, having said that, I think, especially if you're in a private practice, it's really important for you to get involved in hospital administration. <clears throat> I would urge everybody to be an active part of their department meetings because all hospitals will have departments. I would urge everybody to try to be involved in hospital governance in some way. I was um, the the uh, chairman of orthopedics uh, at the hospital I worked for three years, and it was a great experience, and I loved it, and I wouldn't have traded for anything. And I learned so much not only about how a hospital runs or doesn't run, um, but also about um how I deal with people and how I deal with problem solving. And I think it's an incredible thing to do, but you can't expect to jump in as the boss. You have to jump in on the committees first. So get involved. Uh, find a committee you like. Do um, QI. Do Well, no one likes QI, but it's a, you know something like that. Uh, I was on the ethics committee. I was on the uh, surgical safety committee. Those are things that I really stood by. And um, I felt uh, that the hospital became my home and I think that people recognize that I felt that way, and I think that that helped me, put me in good stead. Absolutely. And when you're dealing with these folks <clears throat> who you come in contact with every day, the nurses, the assistants, the staff, the scrub techs, it's very common. I, I've seen, I know you have too, for them to be openly venting whatever problems are going on in the hospital. And the worst things are the more venting is going on. Right. And a common mistake I've seen with many providers is they jump in with this. Yes. And Keith, what's wrong with that? And how do you how do you deflect it, or how do you deal with without just dismissing them? Because that's what that's what they think administration is doing to them in many cases is ignoring right. them. You don't want to ignore them, but you also you can't just feed into that because there's right. nothing productive that comes from that. So how do you deal right. with that? Right. Um, obviously, you want to be sympathetic because you have to understand the pressures that they're under. Um, you never want to tell somebody not to talk to you about that. You can certainly say, you know, this may not be the best time to talk. We have a, uh, you know, I'm in the OR and there's a patient open on the table, so maybe let's vent some other time. I, I'm, I'm just saying. Um, <clears throat> but um, you want to try to take a middle ground. You want to understand that you're a sympathetic error, but not necessarily coming from the same point as they are. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult because if they really trust you, they will open up to you. Um, uh, gossiping is never a good thing. And there's a lot of gossip that's involved with venting, um, you know, gossip about how so-and-so administrator is just um, is uh, rotten and is try out to get someone or something like that. And you just need to to try to, to say, you know, I think that it's probably 
better. I haven't talked with that administrator about this case, about this issue. Um, I'm really not the one to listen to this. Um, I think as much as possible, try to keep people on track and understand that. I think some of it is to is to try to bring a middle ground. You can say, um, well, understand the pressures that the administrators are going through too. Understand that that they can't focus on this one small portion of the hospital because they're focused on the entire part of the hospital without necessarily taking the whole cause of the administration um, and risking alienating the the people who are venting to you. Um, but I think what I was getting at, getting back on track, is that it's more important to recognize and remember the important thing that you're doing uh, at the time, the task at hand. So the nurses who are venting about whatever, their hours, the food, the the, um, the treatment, say, um, you know, if you feel like this is interfering with patient care, you need to speak up, you need to tell people that. But the most important thing is that the patient care is getting done and you're doing a great job doing it and we're, we're doing a, a tremendously successful our, – our mission is a success even if you don't feel it is. And sometimes that will change the – reframe the, the discussion to be more about positives and then you can get on middle grounds. I know administrators try to do that. The, the most successful ones try to do that when they're discussing gripes, when they're in a town meeting. Um, they will try to turn the complaints into um, a – uh, well, I hear what you're saying. This complaint is because it's blocking us from this strength. And let's talk about the strength and the best ways to do that. And that's something that I think people appreciate it. You get, they're getting their, um, their two cents worth, but it's also being framed as a positive instead of a negative. And I think that may be the best thing to do. And that's something that's not taught very much in medical school and residency and something that you can learn by going to these meetings that you're talking about and being a part that's of right. it. Because these yeah. people are good at this, and some people yeah. think it's spin, and, and and it's you know it's politics, and it is. Guess yeah. what? That's the way the world works. I mean, we're we're cynical about administrators, but the administrators are as skillful as what at they at they're as skillful at what they do as we are at what we do. And uh, it is a skill, it is an art, and it is something to um, to be impressed by, e- even as you might be appalled by it. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to live your life by that, but you need to realize that it's a fact of life. There are almost no physician, even the physician-owned hospitals are run by CEOs now. And even if a, a CEO happens to have been a physician, and I've worked with some, um, they're not physicians in any recognizable sense. They're still, their mission is still to keep the hospital running and keep the hospital in the black. And they're going to make decisions that you say, how could you come to that? How, you know, isn't this against your ethics? And you no, know, that's again, it's, their ethics are about keeping the hospital going. Um, so yeah, there's a tremendous amount to learn from them. Um, and also just to to listen and and um, see how they problem solve because the problem solving is not that different. I mean, all problem solving boils down to I think some basics that can be applied to pretty much any problem. It doesn't matter whether it's a medical problem or a, or a healthcare um, uh, access problem. Well, you know, this gets us to a, an actually an interesting question from one of our viewers here. So I'll just read this out really quick. Uh, this is a uh, OBGYN at uh, hosp- unnamed hospital in the country. Um, she is a little concerned about complaints from the staff in the OR, particularly about other pro- providers. So her question is: I get a lot of the staff members telling me about some of my providers slash competitors. 
I don't want to jump into this because it's the gossip train. But at the same time, I'm learning some interesting <laughs> things about my competitors that are that's helping my business. I have to be honest. So I don't want to just cut them off. They're kind of my view into the competition. But at the same time, I'm worried about what they might be saying about me. <laughs> How do I deal with this? That's right. I mean, I'd be really interested to for any of our audience to to chime in with this, and and uh, you know, if you can send us some responses and see what you've done. Um, let's face it; everybody loves a good gossip se- session, and particularly, it's gratifying if it's uh, if it's coming at your benefit and the expense of somebody that you're in competition with. Um, everybody likes a nice juicy. Oh, you won't believe what that doctor did. You would never have done this because it. It reaffirms what you're doing to some degree. Um, it's so important to to put a stop to that. It's very important to say, you know, I'm I'm a good friend of this person, and and it may be better if we don't talk about that, or uh, take the really high tone professional approach that said, you know, we really should not be discussing other cases and other episodes uh, in this setting. Um, we all have had things that we're not happy you know things that we we didn't do what we hoped we would do and and things that we're not proud of but this is not um uh you know not something we discussed and you know turn it on its ear and and make a joke say i hope you don't talk about this me with uh, about uh, me this way when you're in with uh, dr so and so and hopefully they'll laugh and if they don't if they just look guilty you know that they are <laughs> um unfortunately gossip does work both ways and you, you have to realize that if you're enjoying the gossip about yourself that, that i mean about other people someone else is enjoying the gossip about you and you just know that that's going on um but uh it, professionalism would say you know let's just let's just focus on the matter at hand um, it's not quite the same thing, but periodically I'll be in cases where people are, are decide that it's time to start telling dirty jokes, right. and it's a surgical uh, thing. And, and um, you know, you don't want to. Uh, everyone who has been to medical school or ever been in the OR knows that that goes on. At a certain point, you just have to say, you know, we we um, we need to concentrate. We need to not be uh, focusing on on that. And we need to get our minds out of the gutter. Um, you know, as a pediatric provider, I said, hey, I, I could use the hey, 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 hey. This is a family room here. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that you can do. But you just have to keep things um, uh, on a professional level. And if if you have to be the adult in the room, then then. You just have to do it um, because and establishing yourself early on it's leadership, but also right. they know the expectations from that point forward. That's right. If, yeah. you, if you send confusing signals, where sometimes you say, eh, you know, we, we can't talk about this, and other times you're like, oh man, really? Yeah, tell, tell me some yeah, more. Tell me more. That's right. Yeah, well, they, they, they're not going to know. W- That's when, right. When to stop and when not to. But set, setting those expectations down early, and then making a little joke about it at the end, so you don't sound like just another boss out there. Right. Say, hey, man, I don't know what they're saying about me. You know, come on, guys. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it kind of diffuses the situation and you move on. You can still have right. fun uh, in the hallways, in the OR, wherever you are, but right. there's limits. And, folks, we can't stress this enough. I mean, sexual harassment, racist jokes, these kinds of things, there's just no toleration for that these days. No. And you can do so much damage to yourself for something that you think is a pretty innocent joke. And you got to think about it from someone else's perspective. It may not be offensive to you, but it could be deeply offensive to someone else. And, and people just have a right to work in a place where they don't feel threatened. And we, we, you, get, you get that. But 
Right. You got to think about those jokes as a huge, huge risk to yourself first. Yeah. And and you have no defense if somebody comes out um, and says they were hurt by it or they felt threatened by it. You can't say, oh, but I told that to other people and they, they weren't bothered by it at all. That never works. Yeah. And I've found um, senior, very, very senior people who are suddenly surprised how the world has turned and are, are uh, getting um, uh, in trouble on this lateral violence, sexual harassment, um, this whole citizenship issue, which I, I said we'd talk about. Um, they don't – they can't believe it because in the old days they get to they got to flirt with the nurses all they wanted to and nowadays you can't do that and they have to learn a new system which is a better system because it it puts everybody on on a position of equality um but there there is no tolerance for it you just have to understand that and that goes for social media for facebook anything else you're using out there for everything anytime you appear and that's even if it's in your private uh media uh, you're still representing yourself. You're still that's your your personal communication, and you can't distance yourself from that. So don't don't can't delete re- it either. Right. So don't retweet that funny joke because you thought that was great, and then be surprised when somebody finds out about it and and uh, says, "Well, this is not this was a bad thing," and you have to you have to answer for it. So, well, that about wraps it up. If there's anything else that you want to touch on? But our next episode is going to be time your most valuable resource, and it is. It's the one resource that you actually have more control over than you think. And we're going to show you some techniques, some tactics you can use to save more of it and use it more productively. And we're going to have a guest on. We're really excited about it. In the meantime, you got a week. Give us your questions. What, what right. is taking your most time? What, what is sapping your energy at the end of the day? What can we work on? And we're going to try to get those answers and explore those a little more deeply next week. In the meantime, Keith, have a great Friday, great weekend. Colin, you too. Look forward to next time. Got it. Take care. Thanks for joining us at Peer Spectrum. Please support the show by writing a review on iTunes and join the conversation at PeerSpectrum.com. Keep up with the latest episodes and share your ideas with us on Facebook or email at PeerSpectrum.com.